0: You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. And let's check it out. Um, I want to do something um, before we get started. You know, the Bible teaches us, the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Jesus, because your prayers are effective and powerful and you get answers. Teach us how to pray. And He didn't say my father. He didn't start off that prayer with my father. What do we call that, that prayer? The title of it is our father. Not my father, our father. And yet I want you to understand that God was talking about the body of Christ. He was talking about our father. That it's a collective thing. It's a connection that we all have. That it's, there's power in it. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so, man, guys, knowing that, I know that uh, right now there's a small town called the Texas, Texas uh, of 16,000 people, the size of Bratelis, that just had 19 of their little babies shot and killed at school. I was part of prayer groups and hospital visits uh, when the Rendo shooting took place, uh, counseling children. I spent weeks in the hospital with uh, the two young people that were shot there and their families spent time and time and time with their families, lots of time. And just with people uh, dealing with that that shooting, um, I can't imagine what is gonna have to take place to bring healing. Yes, I can't imagine. It's gonna take the love of God um, to, to do that. And it, you know, I don't like it when people have these situations happen and they um, immediately politicize them and make it about guns. And some of that makes sense. We have some sensible gun laws. We need some sensible gun laws. But um, I don't want you owning a cannon if you're my neighbor because you might blow my house up. Um, uh, or a rocket launcher. You know, I don't, just don't want you to have that. Uh, so we, have some, we need some sensible stuff. But uh, at the same time, guys, uh, the problem with our nation has never been. We've always owned a ton of guns. The problem with our nation is that evil has begun to lead us. Our leaders uh, are not godly people, and they've agreed... People have gotten together and agreed to get God out of the schools and get God out of here and get God out of there and get, and not just God, but any teachings, anything that that God teaches about love and respect. They want to use those words, but they don't even know what they mean because you can't possibly understand those things until you know the God who created love and respect. In honor, in kindness, in compassion, in empathy, only God has those things. Only God can teach somebody those things. And, and the real issue in our nation is the, is the Godless leading, and then we've allowed the Godless to push God out of everything to the point where right now, people are even scared to mention God in their employment. And not even 20 years ago, every courtroom in the country would side on the on the things of God. They would say, if it's a religious issue, the religious issue is gonna win. Now they side the other way. And, and we we have to understand that this is flat out evil. They could try to get into the mind of some of these people, the guy who shot the people in Buffalo, we're gonna pray for them too. I should have prayed for, I was out of town when that happened, but we're gonna pray for the people in Buffalo too that were shot at that, super, sh- shopping, little babies going to school. Guys, the evil that, are in the, that was in the hearts of these young people, two 18, 19 year old young men, how lost are our men and our young men? Because the world has told us that moms can raise men. I'm gonna say something, moms, you can do a good job but you can't raise a man. It takes another, it takes other men to raise men to be. It really does. That's a godly principle. And that's the truth. (laughs) Ladies, I know you love your sons, but I'm telling you what, your sons were born to rule, not to, not to serve you. And when they're about 15, you're going to find out they think they are your boss and they need to be reminded. They're not your boss. And never will be. your are mama, right? You're an authority a figure in their life. But they need to be taught that by a man. And, and guys, we have so many lost young men. And mostly it's these young men that are doing all these shootings. The last one in El Paso was a young man. Um, we have all these young men. They're so lost. Uh, I mean, this young man was living with his grandmother. Um, uh, they, there's no mention of a dad or a grandpa or anybody around. We have an evil that's taking place. And as the body of Christ, somewhere along the line, guys, it just can't be me in the pulpit, fading all the heat in the newspaper and online. Somewhere along the line, the whole body, it's not an individual thing. The whole body of Christ has got to stand up to some of this and say, hey, we're we're Christians and we're gonna be Christians and we're going to teach at school and everywhere else where love originates from where kindness originates from where good you're you're all you're going to be so limited if you teach those principles without the creator of those principles being involved that really illuminates and makes those things possible in the heart of a human being it's only god that loves and teaches us to love to love with a a sacrificial love, a love that will prefer someone over yourself. Only God does that. We aren't born like that. We're born the opposite direction. Mine, mine, mine. And guys, we need to, we need to pray for these families in Buffalo. We need to pray for these families in Uvalde. And guys, man, we, we need to, we need to more than that. We need to stand up and, and not fight over guns, but but fight a moral battle for the lives of these young men who are so lost. Man, they don't even know what it means to be a gentleman or a man, or they—they they have no idea how to how to how to even work a job. They don't even mention this. These kids, either one of them had a job, and so we not only need to pray, but we need to do things. I said we need to do things. And I thank God our church does things, but it's gonna take every one of us doing things. Doing things at home first, our first ministry to our family, and then and doing things, and doing things outside the home. And ministering to these young men and these young women and teaching them and, and making an effort to be part of it. I, I've said this before. Our church is dedicated to the next generation. I'm asking all the adults to, 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 to be dedicated to the next generation. That's why we built the children's building, and it costs more than this building. That's why we renovated 180. That's why we're, everything we're doing is for children in this next generation, because we want them to know that God loves them. And not only that God loves them, we want to earn the right to speak into their lives and tell them what a young man and a young woman is supposed to act like and look like and dress like and talk like. This is, a, this is a good versus evil issue, guys. It's good versus evil. And we can't forsake. You know, but God said he alone is good. Come on. Without him, there can be no. I had no goodness in me without God. All I thought about was myself until I met him. He's the one that teaches us to get outside of ourselves and make a difference in other people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the families in Buffalo. We pray, Father, that your spirit comforts them. Father, we pray that your spirit covers them. Father, we pray your church rises up, the body of Christ in Buffalo, and runs to the rescue to help, to love, to care, to stand by people that are hurting. Father, we we pray for them. Help them, Lord. Send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit to them. And Father, we pray for justice, that justice is done. Justice. And Father, we pray for the people of Uvalde and all the moms and dads that got the worst news. Lord, Jesus, you said you are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. Father, we thank you. You heal the brokenhearted in Buffalo and the brokenhearted in your Father, you heal the brokenhearted. Jesus, you're the only one that can do it. We know you're the only one that can. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that your body comes and is your hands and your feet, the shoulders to cry on, the people that rise up and pay for the services and take care of these families and cook meals and love on them. And Father, I pray for our nation. You said if my people will humble themselves and pray, but not just do that, Father, we have to forsake evil. Father, that we forsake evil. Father, we forsake it as your people that you'll heal our nation. And Father, this, this these generations below us, Father, not below us just chronologically in age, Lord, you know that, They need your help. They need your wisdom, your love, your compassion. Father, they need your purpose for existence. They need your reason to live. And Father, they need your teaching on how to be a man of God and a woman of God, how to be a gentleman and a lady, how to to live for something bigger than just themselves, Father. Father, they need you. They need the church. And Father, we have dedicated this church to, the, to your honor, your glory, and to reaching people that need you, and to reaching this next generation that needs to know of your power and of your love. Father, we thank you that you use our lives to make a difference and that you're pouring out your spirit and your love on these people in these cities. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray and all the people of God sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I'm teaching on idols, and it's because of idols that these things have taken place in our, our uh, what we call politics, um, I call it community service, it's idols that that are, are being worshipped, that uh, have made, uh, turned our country into one that was one nation under God, to a nation that only about 30% of all people, all pastors even have a biblical worldview, but only about three to 5% of people actually total that call themselves Christians actually serve and give in the church. Now we have a bigger number than that. Praise the Lord. We have about 35 to 40% of our people serve and give at church on the move. We're way above the average. But you can understand now why so many of these churches, even in our own community, look rundown, old, not well-maintained, not many people attend. Because there's not people supporting those ministries with their feet, their hands, their heart, and their finances. Let me read this to you about how much God loves us. Pastor Sean read a three, Ephesians 3.20, um, and I was going to read that tonight too, but I was going to read the two scriptures before that. But I think, I know God always has a plan and we never talk about what we're gonna talk about that he wanted you to hear 320 more than once because the power that he's talking about is the power of his love that makes dreams come true. He says this in verse 17. He says, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you in the resting place of his love. Everybody say his love will become the very source and root of your life. You know, people who know God loves them, man, they they do special things for God. Why? Because even when they fail God, God, they know, they run to God. And they go like, God, I know you love me. And I know if I, if I repent, if I change, if I have a heart to change and I've made up my mind to change and and I'm, I really am asking for forgiveness. You always forgive me and you do it quickly. And God, because I know you love me, it empowers me to love others and to be generous and to be, to do, to give my life away instead of claiming my life all the time. I mean, uh, that's what happens when the, the power of God's love lives inside of you. It inspires you. It removes insecurities and fears. It, it and when you face those emotions, it even hurt. You know we uh, we've had people in the church recently, even, but all throughout the last couple of years, have loved ones that have passed away. Man, it comforts us in those times. It encourages us. It dries our tears. It gives us courage. It gives us courage and strength, his love. The Bible says that it's through his love that even our faith exists, and that's what he's talking about. Our faith only exists and is only going to be as high and as great as we understand how much he loves us. When you you accept that you're the apple, I don't know about you, man, but God said I'm the apple of his eye. He said that about you too, but I don't know if, if everybody believes it. And there's times I, I, I struggle in my own thoughts like, really, I'm the apple of your eye and this is happening? <laughs> but I'm not gonna question your integrity, God. I just know that you love me and you'll get me through this. Yeah. You know, that's how, that lo- that's how it works. Is when you have a confidence in his love that he loves you, then you have a faith and a confidence in him that when you do his word, you get his results because he loves you. Yeah. He says this, then, then, and only then, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. It's intimate. How enduring and how inclusive it it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding, This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Then he says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. What was the mighty power? His love. It's his love that he says, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination he will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. The power of his love. You know, some people, when they hear words of correction, man, they're offended. The Bible says that the sons and daughters of God desire his correction. They desire it. I pray for it. King David prayed, God, correct me. If there's any iniquity in my heart, remove it from me. Search me, oh Lord. Come on. A lot of people say, don't search me. I don't want to be searched. Don't search me, Lord. But he, Christians say, come search me. If you find anything that's offensive to you, anywhere in me, on me, man, you correct me, Lord. Why? Because I know you love me. The Bible says parents who do not correct their children do not love them. Matter of fact, it's he says they hate them. They hate their children because they're gonna rise up and grow up not being corrected and then they're gonna be they're gonna be a mess. They're gonna be a mess. And when children aren't corrected in love, not out of anger or hatred or insecurities of your own but, or, or out of disappointment of your own, uh, 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 your own uh, emotions, but out of love, they'll end up messed up big time. So out of love, we correct our children. And out of love, God corrects his kids. So when you hear words of correction, you need to, you need to welcome those words of correction. It doesn't matter who it impacts or affects. So many people get a word of correction, uh, like, like when I was talking about uh, sexuality, that, man, they, they get seriously offended by it, man. Many have gotten offended and have left and have said ugly things. And guys, listen, man, I welcome words of correction. Amen. And a Christian always does. The Bible says the lovers of God welcome correction. Welcome it. If you don't welcome correction, you don't quite understand how much God loves you. When you understand how much he loves you, then you know he's correcting you because he loves you. He's trying to get something to you, not take something away from you. Amen. He's trying to bless your life. But he wants us to understand that it's by his love, his miraculous power of his love, that he wants to do amazing things through us. And it's, it's, it's understanding that love that is key to Christianity. It inspires our faith. It inspires hope. It inspires dreaming. It inspires taking steps of faith out because you trust that God loves you. That even if you fall, he'll be your safety net. It inspires us to say no to the world and yes to the things of God. Let me say it again. It inspires us to say no to the world, its ways, its thinking, and its attitude towards things and say yes to the things of God because we know that God loves us and the things that he's showing us, the things that he's teaching us is because he loves us and that Satan hates us. And the things he's teaching is because he hates us and he wants to come to kill, steal, and destroy our lives and those around us. Where God wants us to, he wants our lives to be a blessing. Now, if I asked everybody, I'm not gonna ask everybody to raise their hand. I think everybody in this room, if I said, how many of you wanna be a blessing? Oh, probably everybody would raise your hand. But guys, the Bible says we'll know each other by our fruit. I've often said, I know nothing about horticulture. I'm always amazed by people. I have friends that I can say, "What kind of tree is it? Oh, that's a that looks like a maple, or that's a this tree, and that's a that tree." And I'm like, "Man, that's cool that you know all that." I don't know any of that, but I know we went to visit Julie's cousins in California. We we're at the Rose Bowl watching Oklahoma play, and uh, we were there. And in their backyard, they had a bunch of trees. And. I went up to one, and there were some avocados hanging down from it, Laura. And I said, hey, man, you got an avocado tree? They said, yes. And I'm like, I'm glad I I, I know that. It's an avocado tree. They also had an orange tree. You know how I knew it was an orange tree? There were oranges hanging from it. They had a lemon tree. I mean, they had all these trees, and they had fruit hanging down, and it was easy to identify. And God said, we'll know each other and judge each other by our fruit. So when we talk about idols and we've been talking about the idol of money, man, you know, you know by your fruit. All you have to do is look at your checkbook and you'll know your fruit. Or in today's world, look at your debit card, whatever you get. What do you get? Huh? A statement, your debit card statement. Online, you don't even get a piece of paper, right? Just look online. You look at that and where your money is going will tell you who your God is and what your priorities are. Boy, it got quiet in here. It'll tell you who your God is and it will tell you where your priorities are, where your money's going. That's the fruit of it. That's the fruit you can look at and see what kind of a tree am I, Lord, What's the fruit of the finances of my life that you've entrusted me with, that you've blessed me with? God says to people, um, I'm the one that blessed you with everything. And people, He said, and some will say, well, you didn't do the work, God. And he said, well, who gave you the breath and the strength to do the work? That's God's response. Like, really? You couldn't even get out of bed without my permission, let alone work a job. Or have a brain cell move or a muscle move he said you couldn't do that without my permission or my creation he said all of it all all good everything from your labor is a result of my goodness and so when we when we look at the fruit of our lives that's how we know what we what we worship where do you spend your time where do you spend your time where do you spend your money What are your priorities when you think about time and money? What are your priorities? Where does your mind go? Where does your finances go? That's how you can judge your own fruit. The Bible says judge yourself. Judge yourself before you judge others. So that's what we have to each do, is we have to judge ourselves when it comes to these issues and these things. I want to show you some things in the word concerning how much God cares and how much God loves and what God wants to do, Uh, go with me to Psalms 103. Gosh, I got 12 minutes. We might have to skip down a few. But I I just wanna encourage you. Man, if you don't understand how much God loves you, take Psalms 103 and just begin to read it. Start reading it every day till it sinks in. Read it from different versions. Read King James. Read the message. Read the passion like I'm reading here. Just begin to read Psalms 103. And when you get a hold of it, you'll understand how much God loves you. He says this. He said, with my whole heart, King David wrote this song, with my whole life and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the holy God. He didn't say he bowed physically. He said, he said from his most inner being, his heart bows. When we sing songs and talk about bowing, man, I focus on my heart bowing. Father, my heart, my way, my will, my life, I bow it to you. That's what he said. I bow in worship from, from my heart, my will. I bow it to you. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. God said he deals with your spirit first, and then he deals with your physical body. He deals with your spirit, your soul, and then your physical body. He wants you to be whole. He wants us to be whole. He said, you rescued me from hell and saved my life. Golly, when's the last time you just thanked God for rescuing you from hell? and saving your life to heaven. When's the last time you just said, thank you, Father? Thank you. When is the last time you've sung a song here in worship to him? Because you're thinking about God, you saved my life. I knew where I was going and the direction my life was taking me. I knew the decisions I'd already made and the trouble I was already in. God, I don't know where I'd be. Even with the stuff that's going on around me and the junk that's taking place in my life, I don't know where I'd be without you. I it would be a thousand times worse. And I would have no strength to even endure the stuff I'm dealing with, let alone all the other junk that would be in my life because of my poor decisions and the the things and the people I would be running with and the things I'd be up to. When's the last time you just lifted your hands and worshiped and said, thank you for rescuing me from hell. Then he says this, you satisfy my every desire with what things? What desires? Every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Wow. That's how much God loves us. That's what he wants for us. That's what he wants to do for us. But you have to recognize it. Does that mean your life's trouble-free? No, David's life was definitely not trouble-free. Some other people caused him trouble. He caused himself trouble. I mean, he's a human being. All of us are gonna have other people cause us trouble, and we're gonna cause ourselves some trouble because we're all human beings. But man, when you serve the almighty God, the loving God, he's gonna be there to forgive you. He's gonna be there to lift you up. He's gonna gonna be there to clean you off and cause you to soar again over life instead of life soaring over you. If you understand how much he loves you, if you welcome his love, his correction, his, his words of wisdom, his words of life, that he speaks to us all about life and God doesn't make it all woo woo I mean it's very practical right what God speaks to us is so practical he talks about everyday life it's practical it's practical wisdom but it's deeply spiritual don't mistake it because it's practical that it's not deeply spiritual and when you understand how deeply spiritual your everyday life is, and how it functions and flows, man, when you when you understand that, you're going to understand uh, what I call compound interest. Compound interest, man, it, it accrues quickly. Will stay on top of you if if you're in the negative, but if but if you're if you're if you're sowing into God's kingdom, you're accruing compound interest. He said, one day, just wait on me, you're going to, reach a, you're going to reap a harvest of all that you've sown. You've sown love, you're going to re- reap it. You've sown kindness, you're going to reap it. You've sown finances, you're going to reap it. You've sown compassion, you're going to reap it. You've sown service, you're going to reap it. Just hang on, because I will repay you for what you've sown. And it's gathering. The, he, the, if it's taking a while for you to see, the, to, for you to see the, the harvest, it's because it's gathering compound interest. It's building up on you. Don't think it's going this way. It's going this way. Some of you might want to start praying, God, wait a little longer. I want some more. Come on. Make it bigger. Most of us don't pray like that, do we? But if you trust God and you trust in his love for you, you get a different attitude towards time. Time is on your side, not against you. If you understand that God loves you, it's on our side. Time is on our side. Now, in Luke 12, I don't have time to turn there, but he tells a story about a man who idles money. His, 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 uh, his idol is money, and he, he seeks money, and he gets it. He gets so much money, he says, I don't know what to do with it. My barn, I can't even hold it in my barns. He said, aha, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns and store it up. Then I'm going to eat and drink and a, and I'm going to live my life. And then as soon as he did that, God said, you fool. He said, tonight your life is going to be taken from you. Tonight you die. And all that you've stored up in those, those barns that you didn't give away, that you didn't bless, that you didn't use for my kingdom is going to go to somebody else. It's not even going to go to your family." It's going to go to somebody else. You're going to die, and there's going to be no treasure chest. They can bury all the treasure chests that they want to with you. That's just going to be some archaeological dig that's going to take place, or some treasure hunter's going to find it. But you're not taking it to the next life. All these people that thought they were the Egyptians, the, the, the dynasties in China, and all they buried, they buried them with people. They buried them with horses. They buried them with treasures. All that stuff is all still there. We're digging it up. Because it doesn't go with you. And that's what he said to him. When you idolize money, that's what happens. But when you build treasures in heaven. Amen. But when you build treasures in heaven. It'll, it's wait, your treasures are waiting on you. They will go with you. Because those treasures are people. People you invested in people you loved, people you served, people you cared about, people you prayed about that you don't even know. I don't, don't know any families in Buffalo or Uvalde, Texas. God knows them. He knows that prayer was sincere from, I hope, all of us. And those prayers count. And those, th- these moments count. And in order to make your life count, you have to learn how to live with a trust in God. In Matthew 6, he talks about, We talked about this last week. He talks about serving God or mammon, the God of money, you should serve. Either you're gonna seek money or you're gonna seek God. And then he talks about right after that, he said, Why do you keep worrying about money? Do I not take care of the sparrows and the flower, the weeds and the flowers and all these things? He's like, I love you more than a thousand sparrows, a million sparrows. I love you more than these flowers. You're the you're the apple of my eye, like I said. You're the you're the one I'm focused on. I you're the object of my love. I love you more than these things, yet they don't worry or fear or fret about what's coming tomorrow or what's not coming they they man they know God's gonna provide they don't worship money they do with money what God says to do with money can I say something to you church that in those watching online I'm glad you're with us tonight that man you can despise God without saying you despise God what do you mean by that Troy this is what I mean Malachi 1, verse 6 and 9. Can you put that up there for me? A son, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you, priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Next verse. You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. Next verse. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Let me just stop right there. Keep that verse up there. Uh, what was happening was, is the people said it's not worth serving God anymore. So we're instead of bringing our first and our best of our finances to God, our fruit of God, our what the fruit of our labor, they were supposed to bring their first and their best. They started saying instead of the best lamb, uh, give me that. That one's dying anyway. Give me that dying one. Let's go sacrifice it, and the priest would receive it. Let me give you a modern day deal. The pastors who do not teach on first fruits, on tithing and generosity and giving, they're the the priests that are defiling the house of God because they're receiving stuff that's not the tithe, it is not honorable, it is not faithful, and it is not because of honor that people give it. They're trying to get a get-rich-quick scheme or or not at all, And, and they're receiving this defiled offerings. And I'm telling you, not a lot of pastors are going to preach when I'm preaching tonight. They're not going to preach when I'm preaching tonight. But you don't have a pastor. I'm not a chicken. I've never been a chicken. I'm not going to be a chicken. Some pastors are chickens. They're too afraid to say this. And I'm, I'm being real honest. They are. They don't even teach on it. But I would, be, I would be remiss in my responsibility to you. God said he's going to hold me double accountable than you. You'll be held at accountability. I'm going to be held at a double accountability to tell you the truth. Here's the truth right here. You don't bring your best and your first to God. He says you despise him. He said, don't call me father. If I'm father, where's my honor? Don't call me king and Lord. Lord means master. Don't call me Lord. Where is my respect? How come you don't honor and respect me and bring me what you're supposed to bring? How come you don't serve me like a father or serve me like a master? You know, so many people in the church are like teenagers. Any of you that had teenagers in your house, you know, serve me, feed me, pay all the bills. Some grown adults come to church, serve me, feed me, help me, bless me, but they're not looking to be a blessing. Somewhere along the line, the body of Christ has to grow up and become mature adults and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to add to this place, not just take. I'm going to give and receive both from this house. This is the house of God. And we need people that are grown up that say, I'm going to take my responsibility. I'm not only going to give, but I give to this house. I'm going to serve in this house. And I'm gonna receive from this house and give from this house just like you do in a family that's functioning properly. Yeah. He said, offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Hey, give, give, your, uh, give less to the IRS than what they demand. That's what he's saying. Go ahead and tell the IRS you're not gonna give it to them. Tell, tell the New Mexico Tax Revenue Office that hey, hey, I'm gonna call them up and say, hey, hey, hold on a second. You're here to serve me, I'm not here to serve you. I'm not gonna do anything in this state and I'm not giving you my tax money. I, I'm not giving you any, you just, you're not getting my taxes. Tell that to the IRS, tell that to the New Mexico uh, uh, Revenue Department and you're gonna end up in a huscal. the hooscow, the hooscow is an old word for the jailhouse, <laughs> you're going to end up in a lot of trouble, right? He's saying that, tell that to the Roman governor or tell that to your governor, your king that you're not gonna pay taxes to him, see what he does. Is God not greater than the government? Julie and I pay our tithe before we'll pay our taxes. We pay our tithe before we could buy groceries. We have proven that in our own lives. We have faced buying groceries or paying our tithe. We bought, we paid our tithes and God took care of the groceries. I'd rather tithe than pay my house payment. I'd rather tithe than buy a new vehicle. I'd rather tithe than do anything else I'm going to tithe for. This is just me. This is just me because my father is due the honor. He, does, he, he gives us everything we have in this life, every good thing he's given me. And I'm going to give him honor as my father, and I'm going to give him honor as my master. Jesus is my Lord. Amen. I'm submitted. I'm submitted. And man, I'm so glad someone taught me this a long, long time ago about how to submit my whole life and how to not worship money, but worship God. He said, would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Last verse. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while there is this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Otherwise, what they do is they disrespect and dishonor God. Then they want to pray for God's blessings and favor. I don't know too many fathers that their sons will disrespect and dishonor them, and they'll still show them tons of favor. I don't know too many bosses. I don't know too many judges. In a, you go into, a, go into the district judge here. And just be disrespectful and dishonorable. See what happens. Right? Guys, that's that's just a man or a woman. That's not God. Why would we treat God less than we treat human beings? Why would we treat God with less honor and less respect than we do human beings? Why would we treat God last instead of first? Pastor Troy, you're stepping on a lot of toes. I, that's not my heart. My heart's not to step on your toes. My, heart's to, my heart is to encourage your heart Amen. Let's go. to do what's right and live the way God wants you to. I'm going to end with this. Go, with, go to Luke 6, 38 and 39. Can you put that on the screen, please? Luke 6, 38 and 39. And as they're getting that up on the screen... I'm going to tell a story tonight about a friend of mine who comes to church he's here. You see him right now. I'm not going to point him out or mention his name, but uh, man, he, he came to church here for years, and his wife, man, was, was like, We need to tithe. And he's like, I'm not giving it, um, any of my money. I ain't giving my money. I work hard, I'm not giving any of my money to that church. And they came to church here for years, and she would just, she didn't nag him, but she would just, every once in a while, encourage him, hey, You know, it'd be nice if we're always struggling financially. Why don't we tithe? You know, and God makes these promises and he'd say, nope, nope. For eight years, they came to church here and he resisted her. Eight years. Well, the ninth year came and he finally said, okay. How could it hurt us? Right? And he he began to tithe. That year, he was promoted at his job. That year, everything changed, everything. He, he's told me everything changed, everything changed, everything changed. He said, it just was like promotion after promotion, blessing after blessing. He said, oh my gosh, he said, I don't know how it works. Can I, can I be honest with you? I was talking to Brother Phil the other day. He and I were talking and Brother Phil's been a Christian longer than most of you have been alive and, and I've been a Christian for, uh, what is it now? How, am I, how old am I, 59? 41 years. I've been a Christian 41 years. I've been tithing for 40 years, a little over 40 years. And guys, I I don't know how God does this. I just do not know. I don't understand it. I don't have to. It's supernatural. He just finds a way to bless you. He finds a way to get it to you. And it's not a get rich quick scheme. It is the blessing. of honoring God and Him blessing you so you can honor and then you can be generous to people. The Bible says the, those that, are, that have a heart to be generous will live an incredibly blessed life. And when they water others, that God says He'll water them. He wants us to not just be tithers to the church. He wants us to be generous. Not just to the church, but our families and, and people around us. We should be the ones fixing these problems. But we don't because only 3 to 5% of all so-called Christians tithe. I don't know if they're Christians or not. I believe some of them love the Lord. Maybe they just don't understand it or haven't been taught. I don't know. But $139 billion goes to entertainment and everywhere else that could be going to fixing a lot of problems. I want you all to know this too, man. People said some ugly things about me, about finances in this church, ugly things. I I challenge you to come and look at our tithing. If you're a tithing member here, you can look at our books anytime you want to, anytime. I challenge you to do it. The elders set my salary, not me. They don't only set my salary. Any family member that works here, they set their salary. You know who set that up? Not them, I did. Why? Because I believe in accountability. And I don't believe I should set my own salary. And I don't believe I should set the salary of my family. And let me tell you this too, my wife and my mama been underpaid here for 20 years. And they still allow it. Not because the elders haven't wanted to pay them, they're just like, nah, that's that's, that's good, that's good. How many of you said that to your boss? That's good, I don't want to raise, I don't need any more money. How many of you said that, that you believe so much in what you're doing? You said that. I'm tired of people talking trash about my family and my family name. I'm telling you right now, I'm ticked off about it. Stop talking about my family until you know my business. You want to know my business? Quit talking about me on the internet and come talk to me. I'll talk to you. Any of you and any of you. Have some courage and come sit down and face me. I'll face you, any of you, over any topic, and I'll I'll look to listen before I speak. I'll look to learn before I teach. But I'm tired of you talking trash about my family and the money of this church. I don't touch this money. That's an elder right there, he knows. How many years did I say I I refused raises, Brother Richard? Too many years. How many of you? Because you believed in what you were doing that much and you wanted to pay your staff before you got paid. I'm tired, boy, I'm telling you, you better stop talking about my money and stop talking about my, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop just being kind and letting it go. I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna start calling people and dealing with some folk. And I'm gonna deal with them from this pulpit if they don't have the courage to talk to me. This is nuts. That's crazy. Look at our giving. My mom and Julie and I are two of some of the biggest givers. Our elders are some of the biggest givers in this church. We don't just give our tithe. We give way beyond it. So does the staff. Dear God. And I'm telling you, some people aren't gonna make it through this life very well if they keep running their mouth about the people of God in this church. Mark my words. You see what happens to a lot of them that leave here yacking? It's gonna get worse. Mark my words. God spoke to me about this this morning and said it's gonna get worse on those yapping. Keep yapping. Watch what God does. He said, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to? you. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to? you. If God said it, why wouldn't we just do it? He said, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes a measurement of your return. That's God's economy. That's how God does things. They used to call us the poor church. Ah, oh, that poor little old church down south between the jail and the dump. Now they call us the rich church. You know why they call us the rich church? The same thing they else they said. What else do they say to you? Oh, church on the move does. What do we do? Yeah, we give, we sow, we do. You know why we're so blessed? That scripture right there. Our church as a group, we tithe and give. And then as a group, we bless this city and we bless people like we couldn't do individually. But collectively, we do it together. It's all of us. All of us that tithe, all of us that give, we are generous. And because of that, we, we receive generosity in return. That's the principle of Almighty God. And if you believe he's Almighty God, why wouldn't you just begin to do it? Some of you in such bad financial condition, (sighs) I'd honor God first. And then let Him teach you how to be a good steward of your finances, how to really take good care and account your money and know where it's going and how to spend it and how not to spend it. Let Him teach you these things as He taught us. He's taught so many of us. And He's blessed our church generously because we've been generous. How many of you have heard someone say, man, your church does stuff all the time. How many of you ever heard that? Yeah, praise God. Hopefully you said, "Ah, yeah, that's my church right there. That's my church. I've had people actually say, I would talk bad about you in your church, except what you guys have done. God said, let your light so shine, your good and noble deeds shine before men, shine that they will glorify our God. I don't want them to think Church on the Move is great. I want them to think our God, the God of Church on the Move is great yeah. because he's great. Yeah. Guys, I, I don't apologize for losing my temper like that. After, after 20 some, almost 21 years of people talking trash about my family, I'm, I'm getting done. Amen. I'm getting really done of it. Especially when it comes to finances. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Our blessings come because we're tithers and givers. That's why we're blessed. And that's why you'll be blessed. If you'll honor God. Treat Him like a father. And your master, your Lord. And He will bless you. Bless your life. Let's all jump in here together. Do it together. Amen. Listen, every eye closed. Father, I thank you that we don't serve the God of money. Our idol's not money, Father. Our God is you. God, you said in your word, what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, Father. On judgment day, Father, so many are going to want to trade all that they've done and had and their great name, their their money, their effort just to go to heaven. Father, I pray you use us to tell them and warn them before that day comes and that they'll listen to you through us. That you plead through us, Lord. That they bow their knee and their tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pray that for our church, that we continue to do that. In Jesus' name, and I'm gonna I'm gonna offer to everyone in this room and all those online. And Jesus loves you, and he's good, he's good, he really is. You can say, Well, what about this, and what about that, and what about another thing? Listen, guys, I can't explain everything to you in one sermon, but there's reasons things happen, and let me just give you the general reason. God gave us free will. So your parents had free will. Others have free will. They can hurt you. They can do evil. But your reaction to it, how you overcome it, how you deal with it, God wants to help you. He wants to heal you from wounds and hurts of your past and then teach you how to overcome in life, how to overcome any evil that would come your way, how to cancel the assignments of the enemy against your life. He wants to save you from hell. And he wants to open the gates of heaven to you. So if you're not right with him, you've never prayed. Or you've you've been worshiping money or some other idol. Man, you've just been doing your own thing. The idol of self. And you just want to Get right with God before you leave here tonight or maybe online before you end this connection. Let's do that. Let's pray right now. This is why Julie and I and all these other Christians and the staff and all the people that serve at Church on the Move, we were you at one time and we sat in the church and someone told us of how much Jesus loved us and told us that he is God. Whether we like it or not, he's God. He's not stepping down from his throne. And before he can be your friend, he has to first be your Lord and your God. Before he can be your father, he has to be your Lord and your God first. And he's ready to receive your life, but he won't take it from you. He won't make you. You have a choice to serve God or Satan. It's that simple. You have a choice to choose heaven as your home when you die or hell as your home. You have a choice to make how you live in this life and the difference you make, whether you want to be a curse or a blessing. You won't be perfect. I mean, you'll be a consistent blessing. You can be, or you're going to be a consistent curse. Your choice, your choice. And if tonight you've made a decision, say, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. God. I want to serve God. I want him to be my God, our Father, my Father. Then let's pray right now. Online, I'm going to ask you to message and say, hey, I'm praying right now for the first time. I'm praying right now for the next time. Send that message to us right now, right now. You need to acknowledge it publicly. And then in this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God before we leave here. And we're going to pray right where you're seated and right where you're at online. But you need to acknowledge that you need to get right with God. You need to acknowledge it before God and before man. And Jesus said, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. So here we go. If you want to get right with God before you leave here, give Him your life. Trust Him. Trust Him with your life. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up and say, it's me. I need to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Let's pray. And those online, let's pray too. Send that message and let's pray. Let's pray right now. Say this with me, all the church. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And you sent Jesus. I believe it. Because you love us and you wanted to rescue us from our own sin. So Jesus took our place on the cross and he became a curse the curse of sin for me for everyone who believes it and you raised him from the dead three days later and he's alive and you did all of that to rescue me from hell and open up the gates of heaven And to bless me in this life. To be a blessing to those around me. To be a messenger of your love to others. And because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. And I receive the Holy Spirit right now that causes my spirit to come alive, to be born again, to change who I am, my very nature on the inside of me. And I say to you, God, I ask your forgiveness of all my sins and I receive your forgiveness, your lordship. You are my God and I am your servant. You are my father, and I am your child. I receive your love, your mercy, your faith, your grace, your goodness. Teach me how to live with it and give it away. In Jesus' name, thank you. So be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.